You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, friends. Mike Prada here from the Limited Upside Podcast and SB Nation NBA, dropping in to remind you that to get ready for this amazing NBA season that's sure to unfold, we spent time this summer with all 30 of our SB Nation team sites and other friends of the show previewing every single NBA team. If you want to know what's going on with the Bucks fan base, with the Rockets fan base, with the Timberwolves fan base, everything in between, just scroll down on our feed on Apple Podcasts or on SBNation.com to find the team or teams that most interest you. We preview them all, got the temperature of every fan base on the Limited Upside Podcast. And now, without further ado, the final of our 30 team previews, the Golden State Warriors here on Limited Upside. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. This is the final team preview of our whole summer series. We finally reached the Golden State Warriors. We had Bram Kinchelow from the Golden State of Mind. It's the SB Nation Warriors community. Uh, he's been on a few different times. Opinionated guy. Really interesting to talk to. Gets esoteric. And, and Mike and I love having him on the podcast. So you probably maybe even saw him with Mike on our live SB Nation preview show. And if you haven't, go check that out. Quick plug for SB Nation there. Um, before you download or subscribe or any of those good things, this is a Vox Media podcast. It's part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. Um, there's a lot of other great podcasts. Check those out. Um, from college football to food, you name it. We got it all covered. So we um, we always suggest you go and check out the full catalog of podcasts and Vox Media Podcast Network. But now go subscribe, rate, review to this one. This is Limited Upside Podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SBNation.com backslash MBA. I'm always posting uh, some opinions but ultimately at least you know the finished product here on our twitter handle and you can hit us up at limited underscore upside also at mike prada sbn or at epiben you can also send emails to to mike that's mike prada at espionation.com we love getting questions and feedback um we didn't get to any questions in this one because ultimately this is just a long-winded conversation like you were getting your hair cut or sitting around talking with your friends uh, while watching a game on TV because this is a team you don't have to really get too deep into. There's not an X's and O's relationship to their success. They got a lot of interesting players that are at the peaks of their career and they're hopefully going to be in the NBA Finals discussion. Like That's kind of a given in our whole conversation here. So sit back and enjoy. This is the Limited Upside Golden State Warriors team preview, number 30. Relax and enjoy. Welcome back to the final of our 30-team preview series. The only team that matters, at least according to some people, (laughs) the Golden State Warriors. And Ben, hello. Welcome. Congratulations for getting through uh, half the team preview podcast because you skipped most of them. (laughs) Stupid real life got in the way. Yeah, but real life doesn't happen to me. I don't have real life. You're right. No, no, well, this is this is sports. This is your real life, man. I, I, this is my fantasy. This is where I get to play. Like I know what I'm talking about. This is this is you know what you're talking about. An outlet for me. Thank okay, you. and we have a special guest. Uh, one of our old longtime listeners, longtime friends, longtime guests, Bram Kinchelow from Golden State of Mind. Bram, fresh off a live show appearance in the SB Nation studios, by the way. Truth. That was fun. That was fun. <laughs> So the Golden State Warriors, I feel like, you know, they're going to win a lot of games and probably win the championship. Okay, podcast's over. <laughs> well, yeah, we should start with the last time we had <laughs> Bram on, we were, we, were, we were previewing the finals, right? Um, we had, uh, who do we have on from? Uh, Ryan Morton. Sport? Yes, Ryan was yeah. on. So Ryan Morton was on, and it was, you know, back and forth. And even in the, in the tone and tenor of Ryan, the guy who was there to support Cleveland, he kind of conceded that the Warriors were going to win. Now, the Warriors did win, and convincingly so. And uh, a lot of changes have happened around the NBA to try to thwart what they're doing. But I want to ask you this, Bram, start off here. The confidence level you felt when they won the championship last year, are you at that same level of, of course, we're going to win again this year? Or are you less confident or are you more confident? Where are your expectations for a team whose expectations for the rest of us are obviously maybe championship or bust? 
I mean, I think that the my expectations are sort of have been sort of going back and forth between one end of the spectrum and the other, namely that I'm afraid of there actually being this sort of championship or bust uh, mentality. Uh, we talked about this on the preview pod a little bit, but I think just that this is the first, I mean, this is the first time in my life other than I guess last week um, where, or not last week, last year where we were like, Oh, well the Warriors are obviously the best team. But again, like the Warriors coming off last year were, were had just suffered that three, one uh, horror show and had just gotten Kevin Durant and nobody really knew exactly how Kevin Durant was going to work out. Although obviously of course, like you assumed it would be good, but now that, they've sort of fully assimilated Kevin Durant into the offense and that Steph is fully healthy and he's not hurt and coming off of how he was hurt in the finals and just the team stayed together and they, you know, they kept the core together even so far as bringing back JaVale McGee. And then they brought in, um, you know, everyone's favorite uh, weirdo, uh, Nick Young. And- well, except for Steve Kerr's. I don't know if he's Steve Kerr's favorite weirdo right now with how he's definitely much, not, yeah. with the kind of shape he's in. <laughs> Totally, but I mean it's 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 the type you of thing Play-Doh? where Plato or Plato or Weirdo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> ben, that was good. I'm impressed. Thank you. That yeah. was really good. If you get, if you get one stamp of approval from Brady, you know you've done something good. <laughs> that was terrific. But I I don't know. I mean, with the Warriors, it's it's something that again, like I I can't overemphasize how strange this is as a lifelong Warriors fan to just be the hands down. Like the season is over, let's shut it down. The Warriors are going to win a lot, a lot of games, and then win the championship in convincing fashion, like you said at the beginning of the pod. Like that—that's something that I think still to this day gets overlooked, in the sense that um, I think people assume that most Warriors fans are bandwagon fans, which there are a lot of bandwagon Warriors fans, but there were a lot of bandwagon Heat fans, and. I would I would contend that there were more true original Warriors fans pre LeBron than there were original Heat fans pre you know pre uh, however that works out right you know what I mean like before the Warriors started winning right I think that there definitely were there was this an amazing it was more of a um, culture and, and, I would say I don't yeah, know if it's true. in pure numbers yeah. but there was more of like a, this being a Warriors fan means something sort right. of thing. And it and it does, and it still does. And it so that's why even to the to this day, it still is completely mind-boggling and something that I still have not sort of learned to deal with in in a day-to-day operational sense of how to what does it mean to me that the Warriors are these world-ending like championship caliber or not even championship caliber, but just like the the team that is going to win all of the games. Like that to me makes me feel stranger about life than the, than almost anything else in life. You can take wow. that a step further too. They they are the like barometer of how the game basketball is being played. Like they right. single handedly changed the dynamic of the personnel, the spacing, how the courts used. You know every little part about the Warriors' little transcendent run right now. You know dynastic run is changing the game of basketball their players are influencing the youth of our countries how they play the game it's it's a different type of team on a lot of levels but i i guess my 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 bigger question is is this the symptoms of the league around the changes i'm just talking about that kind of morphing to to that play the you know warriors positionless basketball that is there a specific team that has changed if it's oklahoma city you tell me uh obviously houston Added to their team with Chris Paul is an interesting a lot player, and changed, he's always that's for sure. lots of changed, right? So, is there a specific team that makes you more concerned that gives you that trepidation? Because otherwise, I feel like you know, your confidence should be high, higher than high, given that Cleveland isn't the same team. Yeah, so we we talked about this on the on the preview pod, um, our preview uh, Facebook Live video. Which shout mm-hmm. out, you guys should go check that out because it was a lot of fun. Um, and I made fun of a crooked airplane, which I won't explain yeah, what that, that is. But that joke certainly. Yeah. Uh, did not quite hit the runway, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> but regardless, actually, the I think the team that we all found that we were, uh, even myself as a Warriors fan, but then other other uh, other people on the on the video as well, the the team actually that gives me the most trepidation is actually the Spurs because they didn't make any big changes. Um, 
I think that a lot you see a lot of teams um, sort of trying to, as as Preda talked very eloquently on on the video about like sort of react reacting to what the Warriors are doing, and instead of just maintaining their own sort of semblance of like who they are and their knowledge of what they're capable of, they're sort of like trying to match what the Warriors are doing, and in that instance, not ever going to be able to sort of fully um, catch up to the Warriors because they're just adding bits and pieces here. Like, yeah, Chris Paul is going to be great on the Rockets. And I think he and, and, and James Harden have a chance to really work well together. But is it, you know, over the course of the year, like how long does it take them to find that synergy? And at what point do they finally sort of lock in and, and figure out how they're going to play in crunch time? And is it too late by the time that they make it into the playoffs? And at that point, the Warriors have, you know, a full almost two years under their belt with Kevin Durant and are even more dangerous than they were a year ago when the Rockets added, added, you know, Chris Paul, you know, at that point in the future. But at the same time with the Spurs, they're not trying to match up with the Warriors. They're just trying to double down and be better at what they do. And, you know, to that extent, you saw them, uh, you know, extend uh, Aldridge today, which was a little bit head scratching, but at the same time, if they think that's what they need to do, like, so be it. I I don't uh, I'm not in a position to to <laughs> to second guess Pop. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Prado, what do you think about that though? Do you do you, I know you talked about this on the Spurs pod, but like, do we put too much? Uh, just real quickly as an aside, do we put too much into that? Just like Spurs Pop, real one you know one sentence answer. But that are we falling into that trap of just I mean, relying on it no matter what? I mean, if it was any other team other than the Spurs, we'd be like, what are <laughs> yeah. they doing? So right. I think the answer is perhaps, but they've yeah. done enough to give us the benefit of the doubt. The thing oh, I I think I find interesting about this, and like Bram said, I agree that it's probably San Antonio because they're the only team that like looks at this. Uh, I was laughing about this uh, when we were talking about it at the Spurs pod and on the live show because this is such a Ben Epstein thing to say. Uh, <laughs> they look at the game plan holistically. <laughs> with oh, the nice. Did you shout me out when you said that? Did you use that term? And, I did, yeah. Not, not on the. Like a... I did on the Spurs pod, yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Thank yeah. you. At least on our own podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they kind of like, they, they try to impose their game on the Warriors and they think of it all as not just like we got to plug this hole in that hole. But I mean, back to the larger point, what I find interesting about this discussion is that we've just gone through probably the craziest summer of player movement in years. Uh, perhaps ever in the NBA. So many teams are just low. You would think that all these teams would have said, oh, we have no chance. Let's just play for the future. But no, they didn't do that. They did the exact opposite. And they've loaded up. And yet, and yet, the Warriors are probably the biggest favorites to win a championship in any sport. When's the last time any team in any sport was this big a favorite to win the championship? Probably not in a long time, but mostly because there's the skill wins out in basketball like the best team almost always wins a championship in basketball and that's just not the case in baseball hockey or football well that's true yeah i guess that's true i mean even in basketball i mean the last time i guess maybe like the second Shaq kobe year but yeah i mean all the all the lakers finals aside from the celtics lakers in the late 2000s were probably I mean, huge. but even that, okay, could you find one respect, reputable person that does any sort of coverage of this league that does not think the Warriors are going to win the championship? No, I mean, not unless they're going out of their way to make an argument, you know? You can't. And like, yeah, like, Bram, you, you, I'm, I'm sure you have some other friends we were talking before the podcast, uh, people you even went to middle school with, who, who follow this, uh, you know, team real closely. They know the Warriors inside and out. Are they like nervous with the the spoils of success like kind of like it sounds like you are where you, you don't want to count your chickens but this is a great thing and like how do you and how would you say that everyone else and yourself included weighs that kind of psychological balance of excitement without being too far ahead of yourself you were talking about it a little bit but take me through. i mean i just i just don't even know at this point <laughs> how do i how do i explain this i I don't even know what it means anymore, if that makes sense. Like I, <laughs> very, there's, very there's heady. A, so there's a lot of things happening uh, in our world and also in Northern California. I mean, to be yeah. honest, like my, my, uh, my mom, my stepdad thought they were going to lose their house up until about last night at 1130. They texted me and the evacuation finally got lifted. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to evacuate to Tahoe and my, my, 
my two stepbrothers had evacuated as well. Like all three houses were, were, you know, within either half a mile to two miles away from the, from the front of the fire, um, from the Atlas fire in Fairfield. And so like it, it's been a little like normally in the preseason, obviously you're building up towards something and it's, you know, you're getting hyped and you're thinking about what it's going to mean. And, you know, you're thinking, (laughs) you think about what it would, what it would mean to your own life. And you're getting psyched about, you know, Steph shooting threes. And, um, this has been a strange off season. Um, this has also been, you know, not to get political, but this has been the first off season where the Warriors got dragged into a firestorm of a sort of national, um, politicized conversation that I think that they never, not never meant to be in because they hadn't held their tongues. And it was definitely something where they had very purposely sort of chosen to join that conversation. But at the same time, like, probably didn't expect for it to turn into such a big story and then sort of on the back end of that for the fires to happen um i know that's a very like dark way to answer your question but that's sort of where i'm at it's striking to me that we have not talked very much or the conversation has not been about their them on the court you know we just we sort of and i'm not saying i'm not talking we in terms of this podcast but just like there we're sort there's not really much to talk about in terms of what they look like basketball wise and they've sort of skirted away from like the basketball conversation like i we're talking more about how the teams are trying to match up to them and all those other teams and so the one thing i think is interesting from a uh, sort of psychological standpoint with the team is that every year it seems like they've got something that they're inventing to that pisses them off and drives them you know Two a few years ago, when they went seventy before they went seventy three and nine, they had like oh they were an undeserving champion they got lucky, right? And then last year, obviously they had the loss in game seven. They won like sixty seven games that that year too. No, I mean I'm not yeah, but do you remember like everyone was saying oh they didn't get to face this team and that team and everyone yeah, was injured. That's right. Yeah, there was that's that true. whole thing that was going on. They got so mad and they were like kind of playing with. Well, the I was even of- going back through the SB Nation like the the dot com mothership. You resoundingly, people did not choose them to to repeat that year, which they did not. So you I don't think right. I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd, so there was that that drove them, and then last year there was the losing in Game Seven. Yeah, and then this, yeah, and then this year there there was that whole thing you were talking about that was cracked me up, where it was like they're trying to make the everybody believed in us into a rallying cry. I'm just like, are you guys kidding me? But is there any like is there any worry about? that there's they don't have that like thing driving them or is this at this point is this team too good and too motivated for it not to matter in your mind i think at this point it's not that it doesn't matter i think that and again like i don't i don't want to like sound too over over the top but like i think that they're dealing they're dealing with things on a different level than any other team in the nba is is dealing with those same things you know like they're dealing with uh an international level of stardom that no other team can lay claim to they're dealing with an, an international slash very hyper national um, level of controversy that no other team has to deal with. And they're dealing with just being, you know, having the target on their back. But at the same time, uh, you know, Steph had a really interesting quote, which is that, you know, somebody asked him what he'd been up to all summer. And he's like, well, I was in the gym. <laughs> and he kind of said it in a way that was sort of like making fun of LeBron. It's like, well, I, I just didn't put it on Instagram. I think it was like part of this quote somewhere in there. It's like, yeah, well, I was in the like, and he's cut, man. He's like, he's looking good, and 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 Kerr is actually convinced that this is going to be his best year so far. Jesus, um, well, that would be scary. Holy would be crap! Right? So, <laughs> no, I, mean, I bet he, I bet he has ten pounds of new muscle. That's <laughs> just oh my god. <laughs> uh, that came up today in the office, by the way. Someone said like, oh, someone was almost talking about Maryland hoops, Prada, because uh, we got a couple guys who went to Maryland. They're like, yo, I, I heard so and so, and he said it not like fictitiously he was like, like not they, ironically they said he got 10 pounds of new muscle on him. and i was like you gotta be kidding me right don't get out of here you know i don't think people came to listen to uh the vox <laughs> media office scouting report but um so let's talk <laughs> i do want to talk a little bit about uh this team uh i do think you make a good point that in a weird way that they just could just focus on basketball this summer in a way without like scrutiny and that sort of bizarre thing uh they did make two moves this summer Otherwise, it's the same team. They bring in Nick Young, uh, where first Steph Curry takes his max. Then Kevin Durant gives a lot of money back so that they can sign Nick Young, 
and then they get Omer Caspi for the minimum. I mean, is that not? Wait, I'm sorry. Is that a sense that you ever expected? <laughs> I know. I, hey, it's just facts, right? No, he better be getting all of that money back, though, right? Like uh, they could win the championship without Nick Young even coming to practice this year, and and so, but yet Kevin Durant, who is like the most important player in the NBA, like he's the one of the three queen pieces on the chessboard in the entire league, gives money back. That's and I like Nick Young, but that's anyhow. There's also the one more movie missed, which is Jordan Bell. Yes, Jordan Bell, absolute steal. And we'll get into that as well. But go ahead, Mike. Yeah, yeah, Jordan Bell. Uh, there was well, that. Iguodala too. And they re-signed Iguodala, which was an. Inch- I don't know if we need to go through like that whole thing, but that was sort of interesting. I thought the way he negotiated that, and it really did seem like they were on the risk at risk of losing him. I don't know, man. On paper, it looks like they basically upgraded all their <laughs> their like spots. Like the only thing is, Nick Young has kind of been weird, weirdly out of shape. Uh, yeah, but McCall is going to be better this year too. Right, he's so- getting better. So I, I have like a secret, not so secret fanboy love for Pat McCaw. <laughs> He's um, good. I, I picked him last year to be rookie of the year, and then I picked him this year to be most improved player, like <laughs> without being facetious at all. Yeah. And I, I was wrong the first time. I'm not so sure I'm going to be wrong the second time. I think you will be wrong the second time as well. <laughs> but I mean, is it possible that when you combine that with the Steph's sort of being in better shape, you said. Durant being a year more comfortable, Clay and Draymond still being in their primes, uh, and they still, with all those moves, like they could be better this year, right? They should be they better, will be this, better year. this year. No, they, they should be, and they will be better this year. And I think that's what's that's what's terrifying to the league. And again, that's what's feeding into the narrative of um, why people are just handing the trophy to them right now. Which, again, to me, is the most terrifying part of the narrative. Is that I'm not I, I'm not cool with that. Like I I need for them I need to see them work for something and not I mean not that they're gonna accept that it's over and not play because I I think for them again like what I was talking about that they're working on a different timeline than everybody else like they've had to deal with stuff that is in a, just a completely different realm than any other team this off season and as much movement as we saw in the off season. Again, like the Warriors are just dealing with things on a different level than any other team, and they have a different level of players on their team than any other team. Um, and and the fact that Durant is coming back, he's you know we saw how deadly Durant was in the finals, and that shot he hit, you know that backbreaker at the end of what game three or whatever it was, um, and just how how comfortable they all finally looked with each other. The fact that now there finally is continuity and and you know they know that it works. I think that they knew that it was going to work, but now they definitively know that it is going to work because they won a title and they won a title definitively again. And so like then coming back and only upgrading at positions of need. I mean they, you know I think Omri Caspi is going to be a fantastic player in that system. How did they I, get him think, for that price? Just, you know he it's one of those things mind. where I think he just wanted. He wanted to play with them. I think that that was more on Omri than anybody else. And he could have probably gone somewhere else for more money. And it just, you know, he wanted to come and be a part of what they're building. And and you've gotten a lot of players like that. I mean, you got Iguodala initially like that. And then you got Iguodala now again, although he, you know, he he wanted his money and he got his money. Um, Livingston got his money. I mean, I think, you know, Nick Young for better or for worse. I think I think that like Nick Young, um, JaVale McGee, pairing is going to be the accidental best buddy comedy of the entire year i don't think it's accidental based on their history that that was a total those are two total heat check signings by the way what they should it is but what they should do is be like fine you want us to go to the white house JaVale and Nick, you guys are going. You're the reps. Go ahead. <laughs> and then and then they can go. And they Nick would just go. show up so high. Yes. It would just be so high. Sure. Oh my god, it would be amazing. <laughs> exactly. And that and that's, you know, look, they're honoring America. You couldn't tell them no. There you go. Mm-hmm. Is there anything this team is like possibly not going to be good at? Um, I think they're going to be not good at getting Patrick McCaw enough minutes okay. in the games. I mean, but like, <laughs> but like, other than this overconfidence thing, like, is there anything that if you you can actually do to exploit them, is there anything that they're remotely not strong at, like in terms of you know stylistically DC? I mean, like, I wonder. Obviously, we always hear about turnovers. Uh, to me, they're sort of a byproduct of how they play. But I know Steve Kerr has been working on like better pass accuracy. Uh, defensive rebounding, I think, still can be exploited. I do think that they're 
you can get at them again. This is why I like the Spurs as sort of the best chance to beat them. Not that I think that they will, but just because the Spurs are able to play this like sort of total game where they are low turnover themselves. They have a guy in Kawhi that I think can actually attack them. I, as amazing as all the Warriors defenders are, I don't think they really have a Kawhi matchup. It's just uh, the same way that they'd have like a Harden matchup or a Westbrook matchup or a, any of these point guards, or even a LeBron matchup, to be honest. So just there's something about the way the directness of Kawhi that's tough. So he can kind of like grind the shot clock down and sort of get prevent them from getting out in the open floor and maybe they miss a few threes. But, I mean, other than that, it doesn't seem like there's much to me. I mean, Bram, is there anything that you've noticed that, that you think could be exploited by anyone? I want to throw one more question in before you answer too. And also, how is Steve Kerr's health? Do we know anything? Yeah, I guess there's that too. I mean, from what I've seen... And again, like I am by no means an insider um, traveling with a team, but he, from his answers, he seems a lot more peppy and a lot more into it um, than he was last preseason. Um, and again, like just him coming back and them winning the championship, I, I think that that has really, I think that that was, that was sort of the, the turning point, if I had to guess. Um, the fact that he could come back last season, I think that if he hadn't have come back last season and if he he couldn't have handled the strain of the finals and everything um because you i mean we i i even forget how long he was out during the during the playoffs um oh yeah but i think him coming back i think that that's a huge shot in his arm and i don't know i haven't heard any i mean i i know it's still a situation i know it's, it's still an ongoing sort of fluid situation but i i haven't heard anything um sort of dire um this this preseason at all and then uh as far as getting to your other question Prada, about what the weaknesses might be i think honestly it's gonna i i think the the weaknesses might just be just finding consistency on a night-to-night basis and just making sure that you know players are resting and players are finding their spots and like i think rotations might end up being a thing I think with them like trying to trying to find rest for players and and now with like the anti-resting laws and and you know the stuff that's happening on on national TV and all that stuff and um trying to find rest for healthy players and then also you know trying to find minutes for people like Jordan Bell who deserve it um or even you know players like Nick Young that they sign like Nick Young might not play at all like I think Omri Caspi is going to become a very yeah. important part of the rotation and I think Nick Young will barely play um I mean like you know, you have people. I think like Pat McCaw could easily take Nick Young's minutes, and Nick will just kind of end up being disillusioned, and honestly, probably will get traded away before, like halfway through the season, would be my guess. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I mean, like from a straight up basketball perspective, it's easy to say like there are no holes because you look at this roster. I mean, I was I wrote this roster down, and I've been staring at it literally the entire time that we've been talking, <laughs> and it's it's stupid. It's so it's Clay. Kevon Looney, which again, like Kevon has had a bunch of problems, although, you know, he's doing what he's doing, although he's never going to play. And then so Draymond, Pat McCall, Damian Jones, who again could still be a fantastic player, big 6'11 center out of out of Vanderbilt. Um, Jordan Bell has shown amazing strides, could easily be the starting center in 2018-2019 season. And then Steph Curry, Durant, Iguodala, Livingston, Nick Young, who again is not going to play. Zaza, Omri, David West, and JaVale. Which like that's an insane lineup. It's just I'm you can't I mean, there's no other lineup where you look at it and you're like, well, okay, your problem spots are Kavon Looney, who again was a lottery pick, who could still be good. We just don't know because he hasn't. He's probably going to be inactive. Like when's he going to play? Right, exactly. They, they might trade play. him. They might no, like, get rid of him. him. Yeah, I think they're going to trade him. I think they're going to like they might get rid of Nick Young. It's like if Nick Young is your weak spot, like if Nick Young is your fifteenth player, you're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, well, from a from a top to bottom roster standpoint, tough to compete. Coaching, obviously, um, ownership. Yeah, I mean, look, a new uh, new arena coming up shortly. I mean, what, See, actually, that was, that's what I think could derail them. So I, I wanted to ask that, you, yeah, thoughts on this too. They have a good home advantage going. I think we'd uh, we'd all agree. Um, is there any trepidation about making the move and, and kind of oh, leaving? Completely. Oakland and becoming San Francisco's team. Hundred percent. There's a lot I mean, going at, on there. Look at what right? happened with the 49ers. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, that's that's even more drastic, right? Because that's like 45 to 50 minutes right. south of the city. I mean, that's well, also not this year, though. They're still playing in Oakland for this year. 
Right. No, it's it's 2019. Yeah, yeah, 19. 19? yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's 19 season. Um, there, there's a whole big article we put on the site about this whole topic with yeah. the Oakland move and all that and how the, the team is sort of, I mean, for lack of a better word, it's sort of a gentrified team now. And now they're sort of turning their back on Oakland. But, of course, Oakland is changing so much. And I think it's, like, almost too hard to get into, like, all the stuff going on there on one podcast. There's, there's, a, there's a lot of socioeconomic yeah. and uh and just overall affiliation with your team and, and city like look the bay area is it's not one team that's like you know there's always been the separation of your raiders niners your a's uh giants etc but the warriors are the one team so it's gonna be interesting and that they don't have another basketball team i know but i'm saying that's the team that like oakland uniquely had in their space. right like yeah. that's there's a that, whole lot going on there Exactly. But um, anyhow, so and it's there's more to it as well. But I, I will say I like the fact and I think that they are. Um, I'm always interested in like the right ambassador for the right argument when it comes to sports, um, because I do think that obviously these players and historically we've seen some of the most important voices in movements, specifically the civil rights movement, come from sports. You know, whether that's Muhammad Ali or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or, or, or I'm sorry, or uh, Bill Russell, whoever it may be, the NBA specifically has had some really strong voices. And I think that this is the right team to be a lightning rod, man. Like they, they have some really articulate dudes who know what they're talking about, who are socially aware, and who are not just you know speaking from a place of uh, you know feeling like it's in, in placed upon them responsibility, but responsibility that they want to assume. So I do think that Golden State, you know, even though you were saying how that's something that is uh, they've been thrust into. Look, they have the champions, and they're the team who had to make that decision. And I think it's fortunate well, for I mean, NBA were, fans as well. But yeah. I'm saying, like, but I think it's like, I'm, I'm happy they got out in front of it and they said, this is how we feel. Uh, and I think that it's like they're the right team to be the voice of the NBA, not just in how they play in the sport. And we talked about how they've evolved the game, but also in how they kind of put the, the position forward for what the league stands for. I, I agree with everything you said. I, th- I think. You know, again, when I presented it as sort of they were thrust into it, it, it wasn't that they were thrust into it. It's, I mean, there were rumblings that literally the the morning after they they won yeah. the championship that they had all gotten together that night and drunkenly agreed that they would never go to the White House. You know, <laughs> which I still stand by the fact that that actually happened. And then they like shot it down. They're like, oh no, we're gonna talk about it later at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they definitely got together. Wait, can I swear on this podcast? Sure, For why sure. not? You ask that definitely... every year. <laughs> Well, I don't know. Maybe your, you know, your things have changed. But they definitely all got together that night, and they were like pouring champagne down each other's throats, and it was just like a, yeah, fuck Trump. Like that, <laughs> that yeah. was like 100%. that was that was the conversation. Like literally that night, they're like, yeah, there's no fucking way. We're gonna- <laughs> Are you kidding me? You know. And so, and then of course, like the things came out. But I, you know, I think that this team. You look at Stephen Curry. I mean, he's the product. He's all of these guys have amazing stories mm-hmm. you know Stephen Curry has an amazing story with his father and 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 you know traveling to Toronto when he was a kid and and coming up like in a in sort of a position of privilege but still sort of you know his father not coming from a position of privilege and and just like but at the same time like you know he's a he's the son of an NBA player and sure. you know, that carries its own baggage with it and Durant growing up where he grew up and then at the same time you know, getting like it's just such a weird time in the NBA, man. Like Durant getting caught out like using burner accounts at the same time. That, I mean, that was hilarious. That was, it hilarious. was hilarious. But it's just like that. That's the I could not yeah. like diagram a better example of what 2017 has been, and that like a sporting organization in the NBA is sort of the forefront of the social, economical, political uh, conversation of why our current president is a nightmare. While at the same time, the arguably the most important player is getting called out for having a burner account that he like argues with trolls on the that is that is pretty small time. I'm sorry, <laughs> that is really small time at Kevin Durant. Like, I, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie. Like, I he deserved. I mean, I, I they seemed like really no, weirdly, <laughs> weirdly upset about it. I don't know why it was like. It's like, yo, yo, hold, yo, we're not, like, saying that you, like, committed a crime or anything. Like, chill out. Like, he was pulling one of those things. But, like, it was sort of, it's a little weak. I, I do think it was totally weak. I just also think that that's the perfect example of what 2017 yes, is, yes. which is, like, taking a stand about something that actually matters while at the same time, like, arguing anonymous, anonymously with trolls about, like, how, <laughs> how good of a coach 
you know, Donovan yeah. is or something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We should talk a little bit about the basketball. I know this team is so dominant and there's not much to say, but you know, you think you said you think Steph could be better than ever this year. You think Durant can fit in a little bit more effectively. Is there any risk that those two plus Draymond plus Clay that the harmony that is so obvious to them, like somehow gets disrupted by something. I, I mean, I don't see it, but is there any by risk? something? Do you mean Nick Young? <laughs> no, I mean just no. I no, just... I don't. I don't think so. I think that honestly, actually, Duran is my is my pick for MVP this year. Um, I think that he's going to win it, and I think that the Warriors are going to be far and away the best team, and I think that Steph is going to be, you know, a transcendent player, but but also be very willing to pass up the ball to Durant in key situations, and Durant is going to be sort of his peak, the peak version of himself that we saw in the finals, and uh, the voters are going to have no choice but to but to give it to, you know, to Kevin. So if um. If God, if God forbid, one of them got injured, which is sort of the most devastating loss? This is a question, a parlor game question. I've sort of been thinking about a lot. Is like, right. who is actually the most indispensable player on the team? I don't curious what you guys think. Obviously, Steph. Right. You still okay? So you still think it is Steph? Yeah. Because I think a lot of people would say it was it's it's Durant. Yeah, I think that the most important player on their team is Kevin Durant. Um, only in so far as this. I would have said it was Steph even last year, even when they got Kevin Durant, because it was implicit upon him to welcome Durant into, like, this is my team, and now it's our team, if not your team. The NBA Finals showed me that it was Durant's team when it needed to be Durant's team, and Steph is just ultimately kind of the embodiment of the way the Warriors play, and he's the extension that makes it work so well. That's important, but the thing that always gets me with Durant now is, like, he's flying around blocking shots. He's being super disruptive on the defensive end in a way that, changed the way the Warriors could play defensively last year. And that's what ultimately made the NBA Finals such a cakewalk for them, um, was the way that he played both ways. Um, so it's Durant for me. And see, this is an interesting one, because if you look at all the numbers, uh, mm-hmm. they are a completely different team, Steph in versus Steph out. If you're looking at like who has the best plus minus on the team, like Steph is by far the best. And that's yep. held up over multiple years, over multiple coaches. There's something about the way he plays where he can just draw this double team like five, 40 feet from the hoop that it just makes everybody's life so much easier. And he's he's like the mouse that's running around the mousetrap that everyone is sort of – that this analogy doesn't work, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you, meant, you meant to say the rabbit that goes around the track that the hounds go after. Yeah, that there you go. <laughs> that's the one where he just like attracts uh, all his attention so but at the same time Ben does raise a good point that like in those kind of money moments like the finals where you know I think things start to tighten up and maybe you're a little bit more locked in like Durant is kind of the equalizer in a lot of ways there's he is the sort of scheme buster you can't really scheme around him so I think it's an interesting question still I mean it's a question that doesn't really have any practical purpose unless one of them gets injured but it's also one other thing too which is that durant is not on another team right well yeah such a consolidation like this is as close as you can get to like monopoly of power in a sport where like there is another team that would be a competitor of theirs with just him on it straight up i i have a question do you guys think that it consolidates even further next year and like for example yeah um LeBron and Paul George end up on the Lakers with throwing one other player and Lonzo or something, you know? Oh, I imagine that. Do you think that they just try to super team like even further from this point or like, how do you see this going? I mean, I imagine, I imagine LeBron's going to want to build his own super team. So I guess the answer is yes. I don't quite know where or how. Yeah. I mean, it just seems like a bunch of people are getting to the point in their career where they have accomplished enough to say, let's try this out. And you're kind of seeing that already, which like, you know, Wade getting bought out and then going and joining Cleveland. And Cleveland was just like a, uh, an appetizer to like the entree that could be next season. But I'd also say that a lot of these teams, these players are looking around. And it's like, well, we I mean, look at all that talent. Like we, if I want to do yeah. anything in my career, I kind of need to. Another thing that the Warriors are pushing the league towards. <laughs> yeah. So this whole, okay. So I think there is a stylistic question about the Warriors and long-term. It's sort of like, what exactly is the, and this is sort of a more of a thought experiment that I, because there's nobody, I don't think that's going to do it this year. Um, but we can talk about it in the context of like how they play. I think we don't need to go through. We've done a lot of podcasts about how they play and what makes them so 
great and why Draymond is such an amazing defender and the Steph KD dynamic and Clay Thompson being, I think, the most underrated player in the NBA. Maybe I haven't said that, but I believe it. Um, with all the stuff that he does, I think it's it's he's really underappreciated in a way that with the way he plays on both ends and all this stuff. One of the things that I'm interested as a thought experiment is like, other than injury, Bram, like what exactly is the way to sort of beat these guys? Like what we always say that the NBA is sort of a cyclical thing. Um, and that someone always, there's always innovation that comes through. Like what exactly does it look like to find the team? That's sort of the team that can actually beat these guys. I mean, I think honestly, and the, the answer was the, the 2015 thunder, um, 2016 Thunder. Uh, 2016, yeah. sorry, yeah, 2016 Thunder. Like, I think that that bully, bully ball approach to to life, like, really scared the shit out of the Warriors. And they almost won. And if they hadn't clammed up right at the end, they would have won that series. Well, well now the Warriors have Durant, so... Well, I mean, now... Well, exactly. So, I, you know, so it's a little bit of a moot point. But, like, that, like... Like two amazing players with just a bunch of giant dudes surrounding them, and also one of the amazing players happening to be seven foot tall and be able to shoot from thirty five feet out. Like that's basically, <laughs> I think that's a little bit of the game plan. But now that the Warriors have Durant, I I don't know, man. I I don't think that the, you know, I don't think the Rockets have the size to do it. I don't think the Rockets have neither the size nor the speed to to end right. it, to to run with the Warriors. So like. You're either going to outrun the Warriors and outscore them, which nobody's going to do because of the, just the shooting and the talent, or you're going to or you're going to bully ball them. And so again, I, I think it's, I think it comes down again to the Spurs. I think the Spurs have the talent and the size to compete with them. And you know, as you said on the on the video, um, to dictate the terms of the engagement and to sort of like understand that we can't beat them at their own game and so we're just going to be really 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 good at what we know we can do well and take it from there and hope that we have health it's going to be the second round too is there going to be the spurs are going to be the four because i don't see four i I have the spurs as a two no i don't think so either i I think a lot of it will depend on Kawhi's uh yeah his health yeah of course but again that's why i said health yeah if he's like seriously injured, then then I would go with you. But I think I think they actually might be just as good as they were last year. Uh, yeah, but the, I, I, here's the thing: I I think that teams that rely on I I speak from experience here with as someone who's a Sixers fan who looks at a a team with Embiid on the court and a team with Embiid off the court, and the same thing goes for Kawhi. If Kawhi's body is definitely right now in a place, and I'm I'm saying from the number of the uh, uh, the ankle issue last year in the finals. Uh, and what is it now? His hip? Is that what it is? Quad. Quad? Okay, right, so quad. And, and I'm thinking to myself, like, this is a guy who plays so freaking hard at all moments. On, he is super uh, singularly responsible for their offensive possessions when it matters, and he puts so much in on okay. defense. All right, His usage so... rate's going crazy. I'm just saying, he sprains an ankle and misses two weeks. You're now talking about the four seed. Okay, well. He's there. All right, so wherever they end up, um, yeah, I but think that's that this. second round matchup. Wherever they end up, uh, I do think that the problem with that the Warriors present ultimately is that it's a math problem, right? They, mm-hmm. uh, you could bully ball them, but if they can get three back when you're constantly scoring two, you have to be such a low turnover team that you're not giving them anything to have a chance. So I think you what you need is sort of a team that can play big ball with – not bigs. Yeah. yeah. That's what we saw with Tristan Thompson in yeah, the, in the right. finals. Like with him getting all those offensive rebounds, I think like the key to beating the Golden State Warriors is offensive rebounds and keeping possessions alive and to limiting the Warriors in their offensive sets. But I think it goes further than that too because it's not just offensive rebounds because if you think about how like kind of the whole geometry of how the game is played, if you're a team that takes a lot of threes, you're going to give up a lot of long rebounds. So now like the sphere of where that that great offensive rebounder is going to matter has been totally taken to somewhere else. It's now in the terms that the Warriors are in. That's why I kind of talk about this as a total game. So what you almost need to do is you have to – like be super disciplined. Like I, you have a different offensive rebound strategy on your threes versus on your twos, and you work. That's why I think the other thing, the other piece of this, I think is interesting. And now we're getting a little bit into nerdy basketball, and so I'm curious if I'm going too far afield here. Is that 
with the way the Warriors switch all the time, like what they do is they basically you cannot run a fluid offense against them because they take they take away all your curls and fun pick and rolls and sort of side to side motion by just switching it all. So I think what you need is a team that can actually gain an advantage on those switches, a ball control team that gets closer shots, crashes on the close shots, and when they do shoot threes, they're sort of in that different flow and they're dropping back to the... Because the most dangerous thing about the Warriors is their fast break. You cannot let them get stuff in the open floor. No chance. And they do, they do it so often because their defense is so good. But I wonder if you sort of try to focus on battering like kind of the the six foot area. And when you're taking shots at that range, then you crash the glass. Cause those rebounds are going to come closer to the basket. But if you're taking threes and you're really dropping back, cause those are generally long rebounds. I think that's really your only chance, but they're just, it's, and then that ton of goods all the way into like, how do you stop them in the half court offense? I think you need kind of a guys who can like, kind of run like the team that beats him ultimately is sort of the team of mutants on the perimeter. Like it is sort of a lot like the Oklahoma city team. Um, I know Milwaukee is not nearly good enough to beat them, but that's the sort of team I look at as sort of like that. They always play the Warriors tough because I think they are able to batter them inside while still being quick enough. I I'm, I don't know what that team is right now, but I mean, Oklahoma City is kind of interesting unless if Melo fits in, which I'm not totally buying. But And if Russ doesn't stop playing like ass against the Warriors, which I also am not buying. I think the Celtics have an interesting player-to-player matchup relationship if they were to play them. I'm I'm not going to say the Celtics would win because I don't think that's the case, but I think that I'd like to see Brad Stevens get a crack at solving the puzzle of all almost any coach in the NBA, and then as well as the kind of when they can bring Smart onto the court uh, and play a bit like larger, it could match up interestingly. Horford's a guy a big who can move around a little bit. I think they're they're just Warriors light. Like I like yeah, that I mean, team. That's true. Like to me, a team like that is not going to beat the Warriors. I think yeah. that. The teams that have the best chance are the ones that have, are just like have. There's an imagination about them, or they're totally built differently. They don't look at it as like uh, we've got to match. We got to find our mobile big guy to guard Draymond Green, or we got to find. I think it's the teams that have a little more imagination. I have a note here that was mentioned Celtics, so Mike would bring that up, so I could say, well, the Sixers are definitely the team who can oh, play mother. them. God the damn most it! <laughs> so thank you for giving me that. God uh, damn it! But like if, I'm just, just saying. It's like the magician who shows you how he did the trick. Fuck. You really just like three-dimensional chess the hell out of me there. Yes. And so speaking of disruptors, I think a team that can play multiple bigs is as interesting as uh, Embiid um, and Simmons and Saric, you know, can potentially give them trouble. Can we not so, talk about have, the Sixers have, until no, they make have, the playoffs? Have, no, I have two thoughts, and one of them actually involves the Sixers. But imagine yes. if peak Jason Kidd was playing against this Warriors team. Like yeah, I think cool. that's that's the player that is is gonna get those rebounds and gonna get those long rebounds is like always ball hunting. I think that's the type of player that you need that would kind of like set the tempo against the Warriors and be able to keep up with them in transition, but at the same time like kind of get those long rebounds and 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 be working that area of the court that you were talking about, Mike. Um, and then my second point is that I'm up, dude. I, Ben, I'm all in on this Sixers team. <laughs> Don't do this. Love it. I love Don't it. Don't do and this. And they're going to the, beat the crap out of the Wizards week, uh, in the first game of the season. Can and they, Mike's going to be... Can Embiid <laughs> play like a, more than 31 games before we do this? At least the bu- at least the Bucks made the playoffs last I, year. I actually oh, do. Don't I put that, the Bucks on me, Mike. You know that. That's not fair. Come on. I, I know that this is a Warriors pod and we should probably stay on brand or <laughs> Yes, please do. But at the same time, I, I'm, I'm super curious to get off brand for a second and say, how nervous are you about Markel Fultz? The five second response is I'm extremely nervous. Okay, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm editing that out. Sorry. Um, Ben, you had some hypotheticals you wanted to do real quick, right? Yeah. Would you, uh, uh, okay. So one hypothetical here that I was kind of interested in was, uh, would you have been more of a fan of the three Pete, but you never had Kevin Durant or, the current situation where you lost that championship down 3-1, oh, but you got great. Kevin Durant and the possibility of the future. Great. So I have uh, two answers, and they're both the current situation. <laughs> um, really? The first one, because I think that this team with Kevin Durant, uh, I was not a huge fan of Harrison Barnes's game. And so to kind of basically switch out Harrison Barnes for Kevin Durant is a basketball wet dream. Yeah, you do that. Um, it's worth losing answer, a title, though? What's that? It's worth 
you would trade a title to make that switch. And the three yeah. one, the way it went down too, and all. Yeah, you don't have yeah. to deal with any three one embarrassment jokes. Yeah. No. Well, and it kind of leads into the second answer is that uh, there's no give you backs in life, man. Life is what it is, and you have to suck it up and deal with what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but there um, are give you backs so in these hypotheticals the, the, that we pain, run. The pain of what happened in three one is uh, very real. And that was a pain that I relish in the sense that it now makes this yeah, yeah. much more worthwhile. That's the sweet and sour and, and you know white and black, et cetera. You have to you have to know one to, to really appreciate the other. I'll I'll say this. Uh, a three peat on the heel on like Steph's back, like and it's just Steph's team basically, you know, he, there's no question about it. Is it you know, could it be Durant as the best player, et cetera? That's kind of special too, but I I don't know. That's uh, I'm a little surprised by your answer. I, I would have thought that more Warriors fans would have taken the three-peat. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't speak for all Warriors fans. That's just yeah. for me. Interesting. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I can't see I can't see a, a world. I'm not good at hypotheticals because I think, like, what happens is supposed to happen. Well, and uh, I think well, that you're, you're, And why do we have you on, this, on our podcast? This is, like, our thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, keep the questions flowing. Let's see if something yeah. changes. All right. You had a couple uh, more. Uh, yeah, so okay. If if you could, uh, you could have to get rid of uh, one of these two combinations, um, and and they they're never on the team again, and you're filling them with like the guys on the roster. So like Nick Young and, and Javale McGee become the replacements. So, so the the combinations are: do you you have to get rid of uh, Clay Thompson and Iguodala, or Draymond and Livingston? Oof. Mm. Oh, that's tough. Uh, so Clay and and. Andre or mm-hmm. Draymond and Livingston? Yep. Yeah. Oh. I mean, to me, this one, I, I think this one's easy, but. Do you really? Really? Okay. Yeah, I think I think you, you get rid of Clay and Iguodala because Draymond's that important. Yeah, really? I, I, oh, man. Please. I think that I would have to say the same because I think Clay, like, is the one guy who might leave to go to the Lakers or something, but I, that's tough. That's really tough. I I I kind of refuse. I I know this is not in the spirit of the podcast, but I don't I don't even want to answer that question because it's hurtful to me both ways. Yeah. We we put out some brutal ones to people. This yeah. you, we make you we made the Bucks choose between McCurr, Brogdon, and Parker. Like we do these we do these games to help you kind of figure out where the pecking order is. So. Yeah, that's they I mean, got rid of Brogdon. Can, by the way, can I get rid of? Can I get rid of? Um, Nick Young and JaVale? No. Yeah, See, that, that, that's why it's a hypothetical. You, you learn what the... Uh, all right, Ben, you got one more before we get to the banana boat? Uh, we, we got, we're a little low on time. We can get to the banana boat here. All my, right. My hypothetical I'm curious what your third question is. Uh, I, I was going to say that you uh, you get to keep the team in in Oakland and, and stay in the current arena or whatnot, but another team, an opposing team, a San Francisco team gets created. Now there are two teams in the bay area which one would you prefer i mean that would be hilarious if they tried to create a third team or a second team it's a big enough market <laughs> that's the thing i mean, I mean yeah it's... it's a big enough market but everybody's i mean like if you're trying they'd be like if the yankees won the world series and you're like all right we're gonna get the expansion like riverboat rat cats well, like did they, in, they moved in the, the Bronx, in you know staten island but they did i mean they moved the new jersey nets who played in north jersey but like not you know uh like meadowlands even so newark area right um, they moved him to Brooklyn. Yeah, I mean, look, that's look that's an that, insane. Look how that worked out. Well, it was packed when they were good. That's the thing. I mean, that's the thing in the NBA in general is attendance usually goes with success. But um, yeah. nonetheless, so I, I would, I would, uh, I don't know. I think actually the team is gonna. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I would keep them in in Oakland as opposed <laughs> to getting a second team. But I think that them moving to San Francisco and upgrading their facilities, yeah. like as long as they don't lose that home court advantage. But the thing is, like. The whole thing about that question is that they're it's not like it's the, it's not the old crowds. Like the tickets yeah. are already super expensive. Most expensive in sports, right? They're the first team yeah, to have like a the, ticket lottery, right? And the, the people who are in the front row are not it's not like it's not like when they move to San Francisco all of a sudden it's going to be these bougie people. Like it's it's the bougie people right now. Yeah. yeah. So like yep. it's just going to be those people are going to be happier because they don't have to travel as far and they just go to San Francisco. So I'm, I'm like, like, there's been a huge sort of, in my opinion, downgrade in the quality of the 
with the cheering and the clapping and the and the like standing behind the team and like sometimes it raises to the to the occasion but for the most part like on a random Wednesday night versus the Bucks or whoever like it's just not the same as it was 10 years ago and so it's already changed you might as well get a better arena true no, I think I think that's a good good thought uh all right banana boat we Andy. this is the final time we're asking this question to a team site person that comes on the show it's you and you get to pick three other uh players from warriors history to join you on your banana boat i.e these are the three players you'd want to vacation with the most the three people for whatever reason that you want to hang out with on a banana boat out in the caribbean which i believe is where they were so i you asked me this ahead of time and i i wrote them down and i i wrote them down off the top of my head without thinking about it at all and I feel like I shouldn't change it now. Um, and I'll include what I wrote in parentheses for the final one. So the first one was Monte Ellis. Mm. Um, like, I feel like I kind of trended towards uh, fun and not like serious conversation. Because um, if I had actually thought about it and if I thought like we're on a boat for more than 20 minutes, I'd actually like want to choose Steve Kerr and actually have like a adult conversation but um instead i so i chose monte ellis javel mcgee and then wilt chamberlain and in parentheses i wrote uh because of uh the ability the availability of sex yes yeah i, I see where you're going with that it's the 10, yeah. yeah yeah so yeah. yeah so monte ellis javel mcgee and wilt chamberlain you gotta have any of those three on my boat yeah who'd you, who'd you have mike um i think you would have to have I mean, I think three members from the We Believe team is like a good start. So Stephen Jackson, uh, Stephen Jackson, Baron, Baron Davis, and Matt give me Barnes. Baron. Give, give, give me friend of the pod, Baron Davis, <laughs> ten times out of ten. Yeah, I think that you start there. I would probably go with those two. Did you guys have Baron on? Yeah, we we had him on uh, like last year. Oh, dope. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that's where I would go. I think you could also go like further in the past and go with uh some of the players from you know run tmc i mean the thing is too the tricky thing as well is you want don nelson on the boat but he's a coach yeah you can feel Jeez, i feel like your banana boat has some flaws because if you had l- allowed coaches it would have just been don nelson steve kerr and ron adams for me no it's it can't have coaches but see i'm an old man i just want to talk about like weird dumb old man shit Kerr, you know? kerr's fantastic so yeah. get but, so get david west on the boat <laughs> yeah that's true he's pretty old yeah um i i think well first off this is the first team nick young has been on and not made the boat but he's uh, has, so he hasn't been on enough i don't okay, think fair. he hasn't been on the team for long enough i don't think he really honestly has. i'm you know i'm not a huge nick young fan man yeah I feel like i feel like his boat worthiness is not uh is not proved by his actions in the past Fair I, I like Nick Young, Monte and Javale, but um, we did an interesting piece on him. Uh, one of the origins, he's he's got a, quite the backstory too. I, I like Nick Young. As I well, like Nick but, Young uh, as a human being. I think he's yeah, he's great. Uh, he's a lot of fun. But I, I would definitely hang out with him because he, you know, what it is he would laugh at everything, and so you need someone to laugh and sell the jokes. Uh, that's that's right. the important thing. Uh, ben, Chris Holland would be fun because wait, we Freddie, are you saying you want somebody on the boat who's going to laugh at your puns? Yeah, that's like your base level. That's your need. Well, yeah. Do you not want someone to laugh at you? I mean, I sure. Let's just yeah. Yeah. Let's say yes. You would want someone to laugh about things you're saying. You want you want to have fun. But see, I'm not as committed to the puns as you are. That does, it can be about whatever. I just he committed he, to the puns. You know, he can laugh. Uh, ben, you were going to say some other people. Yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, I, I was saying you know, Chris Mullins a good one because he liked to party, but he he probably partied a little too hard for be hung over at all times so we'll, we'll take him off there um guys i wouldn't want to have on the boat uh rick barry clay thompson uh, oh i want clay thompson oh, clay, is, clay thompson would be yeah. great clay. nope. clay's like nope. way more of a partier than any of those guys yeah i'd want clay, clay. clay's so goofy man i i and, and maybe that's what you want i, I look at this him is what like, i want He's a all right. Uh, quick shout out to Paul Arizon, who is uh, he's actually relatives of uh, one of my best friends, Rick Ellis. So <laughs> this is the podcast. Yeah, 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 yeah. He is. Uh, okay. Yeah, Paul Paul Arizon's like his his like great grand grandfather. Oh, man, like, we you really can really tell we're at the end of this team preview series where you're giving shout outs to like distant relatives. 
<laughs> and I'm trying to think of uh, oh, uh, one of my favorite players from my Swatch NBA uh, clips from the uh, 70s, uh, Nate Thurman. I don't know how he is as a person, but I was a huge fan of his game. So <laughs> that's all I got, guys. All right. I got no more Warriors for you. See, with me, like my my initial banana boat is like all just Warriors writers and coaches. Like it'd be fun to hang out with the players, but I'm I'm more interested to like just shoot the shit with Steve. I, can I just have Steve Kerr? <laughs> yeah, and, like, and, and instead of a banana boat, it would be like in a wine bar, and he would be diagramming the offense for me. No, on the it's, it's the banana boat. It's a very sacred thing in this podcast. It must be the banana boat. It's a very sacred thing. Uh, we'll Do we keep... think Sprewo would be a fun or, no. or Antoine Jameson maybe? No. Yeah. Definitely yeah. not Joe Smith. That's the only person I definitely don't want on my banana boat. <laughs> Maryland's finest. Um, yeah, Joe Smith <laughs> is not. Never panned out. Uh, yeah, Tom and, uh, Tolbert, maybe you know some of those kind of guys. Grasping at straws. Uh, Jason Richardson, he's a good guy. Yeah, yeah but, Irish, man. Yeah, yeah, but we're not now. We're just like naming people. You have to think yeah. about the boat chemistry. Danielle Marshall, he'd be fine. He'd... <laughs> You're not just naming people. Like, I, I, what would you talk about with him? I don't know, man. I, that's a good point. Well, in which case, if it's conversational, give me actually. Car, but... So here's one. Actually, I would take Jeremy Lin. That'd be fun. Oh yeah, he played. For right. Yeah, he yeah. started his career with the Warriors. Yeah, I'd stick with the We Believe crew. Uh, that would be my best answer right there. Um, but yeah, that's a banana boat. That's a banana yeah, boat. Uh, Bram, how many wins are they going to have this year? I think they're going to sit players as much as they can get away with to maintain health, um, assuming health and assuming nobody gets hurt, which, again, like, like I feel like we, we kind of skimmed over this, but I, I am afraid of, of injuries, obviously. I mean, every team goes in every year afraid of injuries, but I feel like the narrative is set up perfectly to be like, oh, we thought they were going to be great. We thought they were going to win everything. And then, you know, everyone d- dies or something well, horrible. I hope so. they don't die. I hope they don't die. But it's just, you know, like, <laughs> I, I'm afraid of, I'm I'm so jaded, or not jaded, but like just, um, afraid of the narrative that um, so again like assuming health I, I'd say I think they're going to win 67 games again like they did in both of the championship years um, in 2015 and 2017 I think they break the wins record again I'm not even kidding really yeah really wow you think 74 uh, I, I think the my working prediction right now is 75 and 7 and I know it's a ridiculous thought <laughs> But, yeah. Please don't publish that. Have you published that article yet? It's on the record now. We're yeah. Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who uh, who do you guys think they will be defeating in the conference finals in the West? Spurs. Ben. Thunder. Hmm. I would say. I would say. Uh, man. I'd say, I'm gonna say Rockets, but I I don't think that they're the team that will give them the bit the hardest run. Give, give me give me Paul George, Steph, and a very well rested Carmelo Anthony for with rest in between games, and then a bunch of supporting cast that match up size and speed wise pretty decently because they basically built their team for supporting cast to guard with length and switch on everything. I want to see what Oklahoma City can do. And I had the hot take that I thought that Carmelo Anthony would be the first big player traded this year. What do you think about that? Was it mid midseason? Oh yeah, I think he's getting traded for Kevin Love straight up midseason. No, I don't think so. No, the the problem the Thunder <laughs> the problem the Thunder run into is that Russ. I mean, the Warriors even admitted it uh, in yeah. that book excerpt. Like they just don't respect that. Russ's kind of yeah. sort of like just crashes into the wall every time he plays them. And they just don't, they have the formula. And I, I don't think that Russ is going to be able to change his game enough in that matchup for it to be a serious yeah. threat. That's the yeah. thing. Russ is shooting like 38% against the Warriors in his career. It's just like every single time it's the same thing. Yeah. No, I mean, uh, maybe I'm foolish for thinking that you know, that's the team, but I'll say that, uh, I like the dynamic of, of what I think they bring from the rest of their supporting cast to with Patterson and, and Roberson and so forth now to like try to at least put something in the way defensively um, instead of trying to give like a buck 30 a game. But all right. Um, I guess we got you on the record. My, we have Prada now with his prediction, which is fantastic. The 75 and seven. That's insane. <laughs> um, Do you actually think that? 
Uh, I, and maybe like 30% of me believes that. It's the same That's thing I, I say, like 20% of me thinks Kyrie Irving is winning MVP. It's like one of those like... Dude, I actually think Kyrie Irving is, is winning MVP. No, I think Kawhi Leonard is winning MVP, but... Um, but he's hurt. I mean, he's not... We'll see how bad he's injured. If he's out for like a week, I don't think it's a big deal. We'll see. But um, I feel like you just put some voodoo all over me. I don't feel comfortable with that at all. I mean, here, put it this way, right? Durant's a year in the system, so he should be more comfortable. Steph didn't work out all last year because of his injury. Now he's in the summer. Now he's back where he is. Like, they had guys who shot so-so percentages on three. They lost 15 games last year. They didn't lose any. They basically lost none after February, right? And that was with Durant injured for many of those. The only games they lost was game four of the finals and a game they didn't try. So... Their biggest mm. losing problem was when they had that ridiculous eight-game and 13-day stretch, which the NBA doesn't have anymore because they've stretched out the schedule. So you don't have to worry about that. They should shoot better. They're deeper. And they're all still in their primes. And as good, and all the other teams other than the Spurs, I've got some time to get used to each other. Yeah. So, so really, I don't think it's like that ridiculous. Also, they had I a mean, better I'll point differential. The are, are actually founded in, in fact. So, yeah. Ugh. I mean, as scary as it is, like, I kind of... Also, Steve Kerr, as of now, is healthy. He's not going to miss time. You don't have that to worry about. Uh, and again, remember, Durant missed, like, the whole second half of the year. Yep. Yeah, well, maybe there's more to this than uh, the meets the eye initially yeah. with the outrageous, but then when you kind of bake it down, I don't know. It doesn't seem so far-fetched. Good job, Mike. That's a good way to end this. Persuasive argument. 30 teams. Limited upside season preview. This took... I don't know, for three three months. Um, the season starts two days. When you probably listen to this, it's in one day. Everyone enjoy. Same, same day, uh, actually. No, it's tomorrow. Same day. day they Shit, to it is same day. Same day. day. Yeah. Same say, day. I also just want to say welcome to basketball, everybody. We yeah. made it. Uh, we we freaking made it. So, yeah, like it, like Ben said, we did one of these for every team uh, with members of the SB Nation communities and also some other friends of the podcast and on uh Folks from SBNation.com, you can find your team preview. Almost all of them are still 100% up to date on the important things. I think there are a couple that obviously, I mean, there haven't really been that many preseason injuries, so not really. Most of them are pretty up to date as far as, you know, we started them back in August with the Mm -hmm. Nets counting all the way up to the Warriors. Uh, So definitely listen to those. Um, Read all our SBNation team communities all season. They have such smart writers like Bram and other folks. And you know, check them out while you can before your team plays. Uh, and man, we did it, Ben. We yeah, set on this agenda. That, you know, you sat through maybe half of them, but I, <laughs> you know, we did it. We got through everybody. I'm just really excited to talk about the actual season in the next podcast we do. So, which will be, be tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, which will be tomorrow uh, when we go over <laughs> some uh, over unders and stuff. Like we didn't just spend a good hour here, right? Um, but cool. All right, this is great. Um, Bram Kinchella, thank you again for being on the pod. You're a, a welcome Thanks, guest, and yeah. have you on again soon. Please, yeah, and, and best of luck to your Sixers. Uh, I you. look forward to watching them, and and best of luck to your uh, Wizards. I also look forward to watching them. I think those are the two of the most interesting teams in the league. And... Okay, all right, all right, all right. You don't need you, you, this podcast is over. You don't need to suck up to us. <laughs> no, I'm not sucking up. I'm, <laughs> I'm liking it. Yeah. Those are two great teams, man. Yeah. The, those two teams and the Warriors, I think, are three of the most intriguing teams in the oh entire league. So I think as far as the three of us, like going into the season, we have a lot to look forward to just purely from fandom standpoint. And uh, we'll see what happens. I mean, again, again like you never know what's going to happen. And that that's my biggest point, like with the narrative and with everything is that anything can happen. And I, I again, like it's going to be a great season and you never know what uh, what the season holds in store for you. So nice. I, I personally very much look forward to it. Beautiful way to end the limited upside season preview series. And thanks to everyone for listening. This is the limited upside podcast. <laughs> <laughs>